Did Don Draper really buy the world a Coke? Did Tony Soprano really die or just order more onion rings? The finales of our favorite shows can make us argue, make us cry, and make us crazy. From Spotify and The Ringer, I'm Andy Greenwald, and this is Stick the Landing, a new podcast where we'll be telling the story of modern TV backwards, one fade out at a time. Find Stick the Landing on Wednesdays on the Prestige TV feed, on Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the Ringer NBA show presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find out what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available. And listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 years and older, 18 and older in D.C., and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is supported by State Farm. Man, I remember when I first got into a car accident, it was pure frustration because I did not have State Farm. And now that I do have State Farm, it is an exclamation of pure joy. But the only words that you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. What's poppin'? No uh, Howard today. We'll see him next week. World One Slogan Murdoch here, Roger Bell there, who is now looking at the Riverside camera and seeing if he's popping and if, seeing if he's a bad bitch. I'm not sure if he thinks, I don't know what's going on. Your skin's popping. It's fine. It's, hey, man. You're, Listen, you're okay. I mean, I woke up one morning and had bags under my eyes. I don't know where the, I don't know. Like it literally, I woke up one morning and looked in the mirror and said, bro, you got some real bags under your eyes. How, when did those show up? They were don't you go the away. Guy that had the little tape underneath your your eyes back in the day. Did you? Did you? Were you? Nah. Were you one of those guys? Nah. Did you? I'm, I'm doing like genealogy. I'm trying to find out who in my family is predisposed. Like, where did these? Where the hell did these things come from? And why can't I get rid of them? I think after the weekend itinerary that you told the 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 whole pod before oh. the before the pre pod meeting, <laughs> I think I know why you have bags underneath your eyes. <laughs> I asked a simple question. If Roger watched the game and he went on a whole diatribe about how he went all over Florida with all these motherfucking kids and somehow he hit Tallahassee, uh, Orlando, Coral Gables, uh, Miami Beach, Fort Lauderdale all in one day. I, I don't know how you did that. I don't, uh, I don't know if that's even humanly possible, but you, did well, it. you the, pulled the it t- off. The tally part, you you made that up, but the rest of it was, yep, the rest of it we did. Got it done too. <laughs> Wouldn't know what to do with ourselves if we didn't have that going on. So, yeah, for sure. So while you were driving, I was at Chase Center mm-hmm. watching one of the best games I've ever seen in my life. Um, Lakers Warriors. 
Braun Steph, mm-hmm. one of the last games we might, one of the last duels potentially between these two, right? Now, who knows what the future holds, but it was one of the great ones. It was, I don't know, it was like, you know, there's one of those games, like there's probably like three or four regular season games a year that kind of define that season. You know, yeah. I think about before this, it was Jokic versus Embiid a couple weeks back. Um, just kind of the games that it's usually comes around this time of the season. The guy, the games that uh kind of just tailored to the zeitgeist of the league. And this was one of them. Um, it was, uh, it, I, we kind of knew there was a, like anytime Steph per- plays versus LeBron, there's always a buzz in the building, right? There's always, uh, there's always just, uh, an excitement, a controlled excitement pregame. And this was no different. And they both delivered. There was no defense played. <laughs> but from the fourth quarter on, um, I think the Warriors went out to a big lead. Uh, the Lakers stormed all the way back. And from the midway through the fourth on to the last, it went into double overtime. There was just haymakers being thrown left and right. You guys can see it from the highlights, but it was pretty exhilarating to watch. And ultimately, LeBron ended up winning. But I know you've played a lot of games. A lot of like defining games First, I'll start with this, Raja, and then we'll get into the game itself. But what is it like to play in one of those games that I just described that kind of define the season where I like to call it where you're in the center of the NBA universe type games? What is it like to play in those types of games when you know everyone is watching, when you know you are kind of at the center of um, the sports world? Um, that I mean, that's what we all live for. I mean, if you're a competitor... If you're a showman, um, if you have a, if you like the big moments, you know, like I've, I've referenced this before. Some guys like playoffs. Some people don't really love playoffs. But if you're one of the guys who does, you know, those are the moments outside of championship and obviously, you know, game sevens and stuff like that. Those are the moments that you play for. You know, all eyes are locked in on what you have going on. Um, you're a little bit more anxious during the day, not in a nervous way, but in a, Hey, I can't wait for tonight. It might be harder to get get your nap. Um, you know, harder to stay focused on anything else that you have going on that, that day. Um, trying to give you a real sense of of what that looks like. Warm up. I would have to be very careful not to get uh, too excited in my pre pre warm up. Like you know, when we get to the arena, if you're on that second bus, you're gonna go in, get a little bit of treatment, or get get warm, get taped. You can go out and shoot the ball a little bit with your with whoever your, your player development guy is. You have to be real careful and real measured so that you're not like already, you know, getting your adrenaline flowing in a way that is coursing through your veins because you can only sustain that for so long. And I, I know this sounds cheesy and I don't know if people actually want to hear this, but this is what's actually happening. You know, you've only got a sustained amount of that adrenaline for, for, for I don't know the, what the window is, but if you started cooking at 4.30 and you're stroking jump shots and you're already in your yeah MF or type of mode, right? Which is a thing. Like that's where you want to get to eventually sure. tonight. You want to get in your yeah MF or that's in your, you know, you, you're you in that bag. The Angela Russell bag from from uh, Saturday night. <laughs> right. The, the Steph bag. Like, right. If you, but if you're in that bag at 4.30, there's very slim chance you're in that bag again at 8, 8.15. So you got to really yeah. measure your warm up, um, kind of stay locked in, but stay even keeled and calm. And then really you're trying to time it up. So like when that bad boy, when that anthem goes off, if you're a starter, right? Because that's the other thing. If you're coming off the bench, you 
again, you're, you're, you're looking for that maybe 15 minutes from now, but if you're a starter, you want all things, you know, all, all systems go right after that anthem is over. It's funny. Cause it was like, in, in, in this game, it was obviously, you knew what the bill was, right? Like where Steph versus LeBron is probably going to go in down in history is like one of the greatest rivalries of all time. Right. And you know that, and because the reason because of that is because both of the go- those guys want to beat each other. The combination of both of those guys want to beat each other so bad and just how great they are from a supporting cast aspect, right? How do you support that? Because you know that those guys have a singular focus. Because it was funny because LeBron was listed as questionable before the game, and so was AD. And I don't think there was any question that they were going to play or not. Like they were going to, like LeBron was going to suit up for this game. There was no, there was no ifs, ands, or buts about it. And you know that a guy like LeBron wants this. And I, you know that Steph wants it to the point that when he lost, he ripped his jersey. Like he ripped the middle of his jersey because he was so fucking pissed. With though, with that type of competitiveness as a, member of the supporting cast or a role player, how do you support that urge to win for the, 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 the guy that is on the, on the top of the bill? Well, I don't, I don't, I never looked at it like that. I never looked at it. Like I have to support Steve or Allen Iverson or whoever else I was playing with. Not, not because I didn't understand who I was in, in terms of a teammate and hierarchy on the team. I always understood that, but you couldn't look at it through that lens. Like I looked at it like, you know, this was my matchup against whoever it was we were playing against, you know, and, and in that space, I wanted to, I wanted to win the matchup. So, you know, that's the way I approached it. Now I, I, circumstances will probably work out where I'm not going to get as many touches and it's ultimately going to be star versus star. But if I approach it, like it's my matchup, and I'm out there to try to win the game, then I feel like I give myself the best chance to just be like ultra focused and razor sharp. And so that's the way I would approach it. And, I, and in a lot of those games, we've had this conversation before as it relates to playoffs. In those biggest moments, stars have to be stars, but you, someone else has to come along with them. Someone else has to come along with them. Now, there might be three you know, suspects for, for, per team that could fit that bill. But if one team gets one out of the three to do it and the other team doesn't, that team's going to win. If that other team gets two out of three and the first team only got the one out of three, then that team's going to win. And so keeping yourself as a role player in that space of like this, look, we're not going to sit back and spectate. I mean, I, I had those years. Don't get me wrong. When I played for the Sixers and we were going to Toronto before I had ever gotten in a playoff game. And it's it always was, Toronto, man. It's always Toronto. It's always Toronto. <laughs> but Toronto. Yeah, I don't know if you remember the series with with. AI and Vince Carter that year? Yeah, he, they were just fucking throwing haymakers. And I mean, then I think, wasn't that the year that uh, Vince Carter had to go get, graduate yes. and then come back for game yes. seven? Yes, and yeah. he missed the shot. But anyway, the point was, I wasn't going to play. So in those games, I am spectating. And, you know, like that's different. But when playing and when expecting to play, the only place you can be as a, as a supporting cast member is, yo, like I, I've, I'm not a supporting cast member. I'm the, I'm the show tonight understanding fully that you're not the show, but that's what it's got to be so that you can be the best version of whatever it is your team needs you to be on that night. 
It was like that during was what was your first like it was Milwaukee your first uh in that ser- in that in that playoff run was it yeah. Milwaukee your first time getting in when when you were like thrusted in was it like a, oh shit or was it like I I'm I'm calm and ready for this versus um, like the finals where I don't know how you were during the finals but I know yeah. like your first big moment was uh, Milwaukee. Yeah, I don't so Larry Brown has started coming to me in the Toronto series asking me if I could guard Vince Carter and I, I mean, I knew it was getting kicked around because he wasn't the only person that would come to me and ask me. Like, I would have um, John John uh, uh, Kuster come over and ask me. Dave Handers would come and ask me. I'd have, like, other assistants at other times. I'm like, so this is getting kicked around somewhere. But they just never pulled the trigger on it. So I was like, okay, that's fine. Like, I'm not really tripping off of it. And quite frankly, I probably wasn't ready in that series. I just didn't know what playoff basketball was really like. It took me digesting that series and the swings in momentum and the swings, you know, not just in momentum during the game, but from, from game to game, depending on who won that game, it took me like really digesting that to, to, to kind of understand what was going on. And then the Milwaukee series, it timed up perfectly. He hadn't played me in games one through five. And, and if he did, it was like with like five seconds to go in the game, just so someone didn't have to play the last five seconds, like that type of shit. But we were losing in Milwaukee by like 30, 25, something like that. You could look it up in game six. And Larry Brown was pissed and he cleared his bench. And that's house money. Like I get to go in there. We're not supposed to win. I don't know where the fuck I'm at. I'm so young and dumb. I just came out of the CBA and the USBL. Like I don't, whatever, (laughs) let's just run around. And we ran around and got back in the game. And and so to to the point where Larry Brown brought the starters back in because he thought he was close enough for them to maybe close it. But the lead expanded again real quick. So we didn't get that done. I didn't know I was going in game seven. That was a, that was a rogue call. I mean, I, that was, that had, it had never happened before. It hadn't happened in game six. This was, this was, I mean, maybe the first quarter, maybe early second quarter. I had no fucking idea. So it worked out for me in that I had no time to be scared or understand what was happening. All I all I could do was go out there off of pure adrenaline and like whatever I had done in my basketball career before that, like it was just natural and organic. I didn't have time to be scared. If I know if I had known I was going in at that point in my career, I might have overthought that. You know, get back to the game. One of the things that you know, when you have when you're in a game like like the one on Saturday, mm-hmm. um, there's there's different types of Obviously, agendas at play, different types of goals at stake. One of the secondary pieces of that of that game that was really fascinating was the continued performance of D'Angelo Russell, who has kind of played his way off the trade block for yeah. the Lakers, right? And I think that that game was no different, man. Like he was one of those guys that was like, "This is D'Angelo Russell in a nutshell." Like, can be, you know. Great in times and wildly inconsistent in other times, but when he's great, he can like trick you into being like the number two guy on the floor. And he was that on Saturday night. How do you, when, what are the two ways? Cause we're going towards the trade deadline. What are the, the ways that a player can play his way off the roster and back on the roster in the way that D'Angelo Russell seemingly has done? Because I think that he did a great job over the last couple of weeks, averaging like 27 a game, something yep. like that over the last uh, few weeks. 
what is the, when you know you might be getting traded or you know that you might be on the trade block? What are the two things that that does to a player or could do to a player? What's two ways could they go? I mean, there are only two ways to go. You could you could either <laughs> you could either be terrified and get really tight and um and and you know kind of fall apart, or you could you could just play ball because ultimately you're not going to control it anyway. So just go out there and hoop. And there's a level of freedom that comes along with that where, Hey man, I I don't really control what's going to happen here. It's out of my hands. Let me just go out there and play ball. And the crazy part is, you know, if you play well enough, not only are you like proven to your team, like, Hey, maybe I should stay here, but you're also becoming more and more attractive in a, in a trade scenario. So (laughs) it's, it's really crazy how that works. But uh, D'Angelo Russell, bigger picture, falls into a a type of player um, that I think about that is just really, really, really caught in between. There, it's like a true tweener, not in terms of positionally, but in terms of like levels of of, of player. He's a tweener in terms of level of player, right? Because he's not a number two. He's not a number two on a championship level team. Sure. But man, he way more often than not looks like he's better than a three. Right? So like to your point, he'll have you trick. And 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 I mean this affectionately because he's so he's so good and he's so talented and he's not he he's he's not afraid of those moments in any way shape or form. See a lot of number a lot of number threes, they come up short in those moments a lot. So they reveal right. to you that they're not a two or a one. But he produces in those moments so frequently. It was over a his joint career. that he had, like in the final minute. I think it was either the fourth. Uh, it was like the first overtime or something like that. I, I can't remember the timing, but I think uh, Pods missed a three, and it was like fifty seconds left early in the shot clock. The word I think the words were up like four or something, or so, I don't remember. But he just pulls up with nineteen seconds on the shot clock. Bang. LeBron is right behind him. Like, yeah. And then one thing good I think is good about LeBron is if he sees a hot hand, he's going to let him go. He's not one of those superstars that's going to be like, yo, give me the fucking ball with, at all times. Right. But he shot, D'Angelo shot it right in front of both the Warriors, Bitch, and LeBron. Zero hesitation. Yeah. He had he's, like four or five of those, th- of, those, of those types of shots on Saturday night. Yeah, not afraid at all. Not afraid at all. And I, I, look, quite frankly, I've come on here and said that I think they need to make moves to, to better themselves. Um, and I, I stand by that. It, I'm not saying that's not pointed directly at D'Angelo Russell necessarily, right? Like he doesn't, he doesn't necessarily have to be the one to go. It could be someone else. I, I, I think the Lakers, if you made him choose between him and Austin Reeves, it would probably be him, right? Whether I agree with that or not is besides the point, but I still think you need to be better, but he is he is a really, really interesting player because I think he's a tweener. To your point, can have great moments and be great for stretches, but but I don't think he's a number two. I mean, look, you have Anthony Davis and LeBron James, so by the nature of the way they're constructed, he's at best a number three, right? So, but but still, like phenomenal, and and you know, I. Talk about guys like, like say, Deion Waiters, for example, and people would ask me about him from my cast times. And and what I would say, and I don't know if this is fair because so good, so talented, so good with the ball in his hands that I don't want to marginalize that at all, but I would say they're just a little too good for their own good. 
because because they think, or they think they're better than they are. Well, well I guess both things could be true. But yeah, they're both things to be true, right? They're, in some cases, it's that, and in some cases, the people looking at it and evaluating it think it should be something that it just isn't consistent enough to be all the time. Right. Right. Yeah. When the because it was funny, another thing that like, these two teams are so evenly matched and they're both like in the bottom of the Western conference. Right. And that breeds well for a January Saturday night game. But I don't, I kept asking myself throughout the the game, like what could this type of game or what, what, which team will bear out better after this game? Um, and I still think it's, I think it's the Lakers. Cause I think that they're just a better team even after this, but yeah. Seeing what you've seen after this, like who is going to bear out well? Let's go on the prediction business. I know we love to do that for no reason, but like who do you think will fare better as this as this season goes on? Like the, the Lakers. Um, yeah. Yeah, the, the, the Lakers will. I mean, there's just more, they're more overall pieces. Like, I, I mean, I can say in one breath that I think to win a championship, they still need more. And in the next breath, tell you, I still think they're in better shape than Golden State from a from an overall peace perspective. Um, you know, LeBron, AD, you still have two stars that can really, really get it done. Um, I don't think you can say that for Golden State. I mean, Steph, Steph's amazing, but you know, that's a lot of heavy lifting out there, man. That that's it's a lot of heavy lifting. And so I I'm, you know, I'm taking the Lakers. I'm gonna throw these numbers at you. And you tell me, as someone who was 47 years old, just two years older than LeBron. Um, <laughs> what? 30, <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. What? <laughs> 36 uh, points. Yeah. 20 rebounds. 12 assists. 48 minutes. Year 21. What does that say about that man? That That's not human. Because you called him a man, I don't. I don't. That's not a man. That's not flesh and blood, man. <laughs> I've I've been Drago looked over at his corner in Russia and said he's a machine. Like, yeah, dog. That's not. That's not humanly. Like, it's not supposed to be humanly possible. Um. God bless, man. I look. I go in the gym right now, right after we're done with this pod, and and get a little cardio lift. And, and do some little deadlifts or something like that. I mean, I won't walk for two weeks, bro. Just off a off a stiff back and sore hamstrings. I could not even imagine. So, you know, it's remarkable. I think we do this with with all of our like greats, and it's just who we are as a culture. Like we nitpick it, and if it doesn't win championships, there got to be reasons why. And we we get into the goat debate and and try to diminish what they've done because they might not be the 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 singular like the singular entity in the sport that everyone can point to and say definitively is the greatest. Like we do that all the time, but what we should do is just appreciate what we're watching. Just appreciate the greatness that is LeBron. Cause when it's gone, you're not going to see that again. You, you I'm not going to say here and say, you might not see something like, you know, that happens all the time. When you think you see Mike again, you saw Kobe, like it was kind of like that, but you're not going to see LeBron again. So if you, if you're at that game, Logan, like you said, you were at that game. Man, when anytime you go to arena and you get to see that man performing, I I really did try to sit in a Cleveland front office or at a game and just take it in. Like, yeah. I, you know, I had only played against him. I had never played with him. So I got to see him every day. I got to see him work in the weight room. 
you know, I got to see what he did, you know, behind closed doors. And, you know, I tried to soak it up because you ain't seeing that shit again. It's, it's just incredible. Like, I mean, you've seen him time and time again in arenas. And it's just as he gets older, and I told you this probably years ago, like there's like a list of the players that when I'm there in the city, like I got to see them. You yeah. know, probably like it's like it's Braun, KD, Giannis, Luca was Ja for a second, but he got to get back online. Um, <laughs> and and I guess Steph, but I see him all the time. But like, I think those are the ones that those are the ones that you have to see in your city. But LeBron right now, man, I, I another thing that I kept thinking about, especially with him, with the Lakers, right? Because we've never seen this before. Because he's in year 21, it's so hard to judge what his teams can be because on one hand, like, he gives you the 36, 20, and 12 um, in 48 minutes at 39 years old. And you're like, can he lead a team to a title? Does he have the legs to be able to do it? And then you see this type of shit in January. And then you kind of trick yourself into doing that, into, like, saying, yes, he can do it. But you don't know as the years keep going on. Like, how do you build a team around this? How do you – you just got to roll the dice and see what happens? Like, I just don't know how to, like, even judge a team with LeBron James because he does shit like this Yep. once a quarter. Well, I mean, how you judge it and how you build it, I mean, I, you know, you're building you're, – you're building it. It's a championship. It's a championship team. I, I have said, I've long said, I think that the the recipe of pieces around LeBron has to have changed from Miami LeBron, Cleveland LeBron to LA LeBron. You could have been like LeBron D Wade and the other, the other portion of your team was based 95% on, on spot shooters I don't think the other part of your team now is 95% spot shooters. I think, you know what I mean? Three and D guys. I think that recipe has changed just because he doesn't from night to night, get his shoulders by a defender in the way that he did that collapses the defense, right? Shoots more threes, does more things that don't necessarily put that type of pressure on the rim and doesn't collapse you. So I think you need more creators around him, but you're always building it to win because LeBron gives you a chance to win. The question is, the question isn't whether LeBron can win a game. The question isn't whether you say, hey, LeBron, we have a game on Wednesday. We have a game on Wednesday. Have to win that. It is live or die, win it. I'm, I'm never betting against him. Like, yes. But the, the question is when you have to start going, you know, to and from said place, you're on planes, you're playing seven games um, and they're coming at you every other night. The question is whether he can summon that, like, enough in that scenario and so for the Lakers they would have to hope that and I think we've seen that like we've seen like he can be he'll be good in series but it's unrealistic I think LeBron would even tell you like at 39 years old in year 21 it's amongst a lot of unrealistic shit that he does pull off it's kind of unrealistic to think that he is going to have fresh explosive dynamic legs every, every night in said series like that's not realistic so what you're hoping for if you're the Lakers is that you time up LeBron's best games with Anthony Davis's best games on every other night. So, you know, when LeBron is doing it, AD, 
save them and vice versa so that you're hitting on any other night and that you can't predict and you can't time it up circumstances you know are what they are shit plays out the way it does and so you know that's the scary part about the lakers if because ad's like that too we watched it last year like he's good every other night so if they're not like if they're not like double dutching with that shit and you don't have a number three that can really cook and carry, then then you you wind up in some sticky situations. I do wonder though, man. You Steph Curry, you looking at that shit, and you're like, you're look. He was so mad after the game. I, it's just you look at that, and you're like, yo, what the fuck? I want to get to. I I need to get some other guy. I need get me to out get, of here. Get me out of here. He ain't doing that. Give me I know, no, you, I know, I know, I know, I know. you know what I'm saying. I mean, listen, <laughs> not, I'm not, I know. he would never do that, but give me, give me he help. I should, I, I, like, let me, I should not have said that, but like, but <laughs> somewhere, what I meant to say was, give me, to your point, give me some fucking help. Please give me some help. Like I can't, I'm still, I'm still too like, good. Give me some help. We talked about LeBron in that game. I, can I, may I, may I, may I, may I say, say yeah, Steph's fucking please. stats? 46, mm. 43 minutes, nine threes, seven assists, three boards. Get me some help. That was... Like, <laughs> what the fuck, dude? Like, come on. <laughs> I, just, like, I don't know what to tell you, man. I need, get me some help, bro. Oh, man. Ugh. Speaking of help that Steph and the league and beyond needs, we're going to hear Steve Kerr's comments on the next on the other end of the break FanDuel's putting the ball in your court for the rest of the NBA season because right now new customers get $200 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet that's 200 bucks if your bet wins let's check out the games tonight Knicks Hornets huh that's a tough one I think I'm going to take the over Clippers Cavs hmm got to go with my gut going to take the over on that Pelican Celtics? Gee, I don't know. Yeah, I know. I'm going to take the over. Jazz Nets? Over. Suns Heat? Over. Lakers Rockets? Over. Kings Grizzlies? Over. Am I going to switch it up with Timberwolves Thunder? No. I'm going to take the over. So visit FanDuel.com slash RingerNBA and make your first bet a layup. FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NBA. Must be 21 years and older and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit theringer.com backslash RG. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at forcebook.fanduel.com. This episode is brought to you by Arby's. It's 3 p.m. and dinner is still hours to come. Maybe lunch didn't quite hit the spot. That's where the new two-for-five-dollar chicken wraps from Arby's come in. Available in ranch, barbecue, and honey mustard. They're perfect for the afternoon snack attack or as an add-on to your meal. Arby's 2 for $5 chicken wraps are here for a limited time at participating locations. Visit an Arby's near you or order ahead on the Arby's app. This episode is supported by State Farm. Man, I remember when I first got into a car accident, it was pure frustration because I did not have State Farm. And now that I do have State Farm, it is an exclamation of pure joy. 
But the only words that you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. And we are back. Before we get to the next segment, I just want to give a shout out to the homie um, at Chase Center who came up to me, not once, Raja, but twice, talking about real ones, real ones. Big fan. A word. Yeah. Where was, yeah. Where was this? This was, uh, this was at Chase Center okay. uh, near the media section. Berber caught glimpses of me and just, you know, shout out the pod. Just want to say shout out to all the real ones out there who Respect. be showing us love in random ass places. Respect. You know, they yeah. are, are the real ones run deep, Raja, as you know, they run deep. Yeah, it's, it's much appreciated, man. I, like there's yeah, yeah. there are a few things that give my soul a little smile like that always does. No matter when it's said, no matter when you talk like, about it or I talk about it, it always makes me give me a little bro, bit of soul I'm smile. Like, yo, we're lit. We're, we're we wake up. We fucking take the fucking sleep out of our eyes and we just talk hoop bro and like i don't know who the fuck be listening to this shit and they just and they always come and show love all the fucking time it's crazy it's why it's like it's a podcast how do you even know what i look like fuck yeah (laughs) 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 i would just say this um I would say this like if you if you if you listen and you don't always hear exactly what you want to hear like and sometimes you know, we fuck up. Everybody fucks up. But you're getting like you're getting genuine. You're getting genuine feelings and real, like, real talk about the NBA, right? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's what you're getting, man. And if you rock with it, then you rock with us. And if you don't, that's cool too, man. There are other pods out there. Yeah, 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 yeah. On on God. Um. Anywho, let's talk about some stuff. Um. Scoring has gotten out of control, Raja. It's gotten yeah, out of control. It's crazy. In the NBA, um, we've seen some iconic lines, uh, scoring lines. Uh, Luca, 73, um, 73 points, 10 assists, and 7 boards. I got that. Might have got that wrong. But it's the, the line I saw was 73, 10, and 7. Like, Jesus. Um, then you see Cat with 62. Then, you know, uh, <laughs> D-Book. And a loss. D-Book, D-book was 66. Right, like uh, all in the same night. Then last year we saw Dame goes for seventy. Right, yeah. so Joel just had a um, seventy burger. Yeah, dog. Like I tried to crunch the numbers. It's ridiculous. Um, I tried to do it. I, I'm not. Even, I'm going to spare everybody because I probably had it wrong with the numbers that I calculated because I was not good at math. But it's a lot of scoring that's happening and it's unprecedented. Um, I asked Steve Kerr before the game, afterwards, af- uh, before the game on Saturday, I'm just like what he like what he makes of this. Um, this historic scoring binges and what it says about the modern game. Well, I mean, guys are so skilled today. Um, there's so much space on the floor. You know, everybody's playing multiple uh, bigs who can shoot threes. And so uh, there's just too much ground to cover for the defense. Um, pace is up, you know, over the last few years, everybody's playing faster and with more uh, pace and, Teams have gotten really confident in their offensive uh, schemes, you know, uh, with with all that spacing and pace. And, you know, so the last few years, offensive ratings have just been climbing and climbing. And then the final piece of it for me is just, um, you know, the the um, the way we um, 
officiate the game favors the offense um, in a way that it didn't, you know, um, 15 years ago. It's um, the, the rules have been altered to really, um, you know, g give give uh, the benefit of the doubt to the offensive player. So I think we're actually entering a phase now where um, we're going to have to look at just like the league did 20 years ago, kind of look at the rules, see where the game's going and maybe make some adjustments back in the other direction. If you were in the room, Raj, you would have shook that man's hand after he said this. Do you oh, think I, that I, can... I, no, I think there are absolutely changes. To, you're not going to make changes to the scheme. Um, that where you're going to make changes is um, is the uh, with the defensive positioning rules that are in place right now. Um, if I could tell you the number of times where you know a player wildly drove into us and and ran into us, and I went to the ref. And the ref used the expression uh, illegal guarding position. Um, so what, what's happened is we, the way we are interpreting the rules is favoring the offense. Similar to how, I guess, 0405 season, I'm curious to get your take, where hand checking was just outlawed and you were having to adjust both of those. And I think Steve was talking about how we just need to just give, give the, the defender more power. In this whole situation, in this dynamic, because it's gotten too far. I think we've talked about this on the podcast. It's gone too far the other way in terms of offense, right? Like, it's cool to see 70 burgers, but like, I was looking at the, um, just the sheer, uh, this, the, the list of individual scoring highs in NBA history. And most of them for, from like the last five or 10 years. Like, when you saw what made Kobe's 81 so special is that you hadn't seen that in 40 years, right? And it was harder to get those things done. And I even looked at, like, it, it seemed like even the last person to score 60 was like, you know, two or three years before that or 10 years before that. When you see the, the individual scoring efforts right now, what does it tell you about the modern game? And how do you feel about these, these types of scoring uh, binges? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I, I mean, I'm, I am an old curmudgeon at times. Don't get me wrong, but like the scoring at times, <laughs> the scoring. I mean, it, it's cool. Like it's it's it's. I'm not hating on it. I'm not saying that I love to watch the game like that, but I can certainly appreciate. The skill level um, that it would take to do that, I mean. It's an incredible, those are incredible performances of, of, of individual skill. And I can appreciate that as someone who spent his entire life trying to perfect certain crafts. Like I can, I can, I can truly appreciate the art in that, that the time, the, the, the sacrifice it would take to sharpen in your tools to the point where you could pull that off. I, I could, I could agree with Steve Kerr in that. I mean, I, there have been some rule changes, you know, over the last couple of decades that have helped with, with scoring and stuff like that. Um, you know, I I don't know. I'm trying to work my way through this as, as, as on the fly. I, I I think, you know, there are, there are a lack of dudes today that would will just fuck you up in the midst of that. That's a thing, you know, dude. Like, not saying that people don't have pride in defending, but you know, that's one of those things where like, well, I got scored on a lot. Don't get me wrong, but but you know, man, I'm gonna try to do whatever I can to, 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 
to send a message that, hey, man, this shit ain't about the you. You're not just going to try to make a mockery out of this. Now, there that doesn't no more totally. There ain't no more no Tony, Tony Allen's in the building. There's not yeah, more. Yeah, that doesn't always, like. that doesn't always work. But just big picture, I think there's not too many. Like, there are not a ton of those dudes anymore. Do you know what I mean? And, and um, you know, he is correct in pace and multiple bigs out there shooting and all of that. And the lane is open in a way that it wasn't always when you when you had guys who couldn't shoot out there. And also the spacing. Is so different yeah. now. Like you guys were just you guys lived in the fucking paint, bro. Well, because in, like because day. because you always had a big on the floor that couldn't shoot, like your true center. There there was always going to be a defender anchored to him down there, which just put a body around the rim that made it prohibitive at times to get in there and score over and over and over again. Like you'd still score, dudes would score it in there, but you wouldn't go score it to the tune of seventy in there. Because, you know, there's, there's, you know, naturally a defender in there because you have an offensive player in there. So, yeah, spacing, all of that goes into it. I, I, would, I would just say what I, what I, because I deal with basketball at a youth level, um, I don't like the, I don't like the trickle down effect that the scoring has. I, I, I don't, I don't like the trickle down effect that it has because I think generationally we have forgotten about what basketball is ultimately about as a competitive sport. And that's winning. And that's figuring out a way to win a game. And with, with, within a team that is trying to accomplish that goal, there are different people that have to do different things to be able to accomplish that. And I far too often go into gyms now at the high school level, um, youth level, youth. I forgive sometimes because depending on where you are and what skill level and stuff like that, like you're, you're early in your journey, but I go into high level high school games and there'll be five kids on a court who all think their job is to try to score 77. And that's, it's unrealistic. And way too many of our young coaches um, in today's world of, look, the kids are trained now from the time they are four or five years old, micro skills, skills, how to, how to create your own shot. I mean, these are phenomenal skill sets that you see on nine, 10, 11 year olds now. Shit that I would have never even dreamed of being able to do with a basketball. Right. But the same kid, if you don't let him just get into his micro skill bag and score 30, has no idea how he can affect the game, puts all of his all of his worth and value as a player in whether or not he can score the ball. Not understanding. I have this conversation all the time with my son, Ty. Bro, if you put your worth and your value in scoring, you are always going to be disappointed. Like you're going to be disappointed. There's so much more that you represent as a basketball player. And if you will, if you will embrace that. And you will, and you will, you know, live that, then you're going to be valuable to teams, regardless of whether you're scoring or not, at least good teams and good coaches. But far too often the trickle down from the, from the scoring and it's no one's fault. Like it's great. But what happens is you wind up with a generation of kids that really don't see value in anything else. Cause we celebrate scoring. It's what the NBA celebrates. It's what I see when I turn on ESPN. It's what I see, you know, when I turn on my phone and on these viral clips of people, it's all scoring, 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 shooting a three and walk in a gym and see what it does. You used to go into a LA fitness. I'm ranting now. I'm sorry. I used to go into University of Miami gym. I shit you not. I used to go into University of Miami gym when I was a, 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 a burgeoning NBA player, like when I was just trying out for teams and shit like that. And because we lived in a day and an age where like it wasn't maybe as in vogue to score ball and everyone didn't have this skill set with the ball in their hands because that's not what they grew up watching. You could go in and pick up a random five and roles would kind of define themselves within the first three points of a game. Like there might be some stepping on toes early in the game, but before too long, 
people were like, oh, give him the ball. Like, I'm going to rebound and defend. He'll get me open shots. Like, you know, oh, you like to run pick and roll. Come out here for me. Run pick and roll. And I'm only using that as an example because I'm clearly the best player in the gym at that point, right? I don't have to say this to you. Everyone Tucker understands. Shit. No, but no, I'm in, a, I'm in a rec gym. So like what I'm saying is like, everyone understands. Boom, dynamics, team dynamics start to sort themselves out. We're defending, we're talking, we're communicating. You go in a gym now and everybody thinks that they are fucking Luka Doncic. Everybody thinks that they're Trey Young. All and it's quiet people. as fuck on defense, huh? It's probably quiet as fuck on defense. There's huh? no role definition. No one wants to do any of the dirty work. They don't even care whether they win the game to stay on the court or not. They just want to get their couple threes off. And I think, like, big picture for me, that's what makes me sad. I'm not angry about it, but it makes me sad because I'm watching it unfold in real time. A, a generation, and we're into a new generation now with my younger son, like, they don't fucking, they don't care about winning in a lot of instances. They just care about scoring the ball. <laughs> Kerm says in the chat, not me. I'm Pat Bev when I get in the gym. Have you seen, Ker- real quick before I get on this thing, have you seen Kerm? I got to send you the clip. Have you seen Kerm uh, highlights in the LA Fitness that you I described? Have, I have not. I would lie. Would, that, that would make me happy. Kerm Rondo lives. This motherfucker is doing pick and roll. He's giving the, the fist. Uh. He's, he's telling people to get the fuck back on floor, defense. Floor general? Floor General Kerm Let's is out here in these streets. Um, but when you, if you go in the uh, pregame now, the biggest critique that I get from assistant coaches is that, fuck, we have to develop these guys this much, this late in the game, right? Like, there's so much more raw prospects now. Even the guys that have been in, you know, uh, have done college for a couple of years, right? because of this funneling system that you talk about and the priorita- prioritization of scoring. So what happens is you have these ultra-talented, raw players who now have to get the G League um, the G League stint that doesn't really make sense in people's eyes, right? But they, they have to learn the, the intricacies of the game in order to play championship-level basketball, right? Like, even still, when we're ranting about this, the most talented team in the league and the most skilled team in the league is still a team like the Denver Nuggets who you have to every player is multi-skilled on both ends of the floor right Mm -hmm. like that runs an offense like that around a generational talent but guys that are really IQ high IQ guys right Um, that's what ends up winning championships but even still you're bringing guys in the league now who it's tough right like it's tough to mold those guys um, you see that even in stars, right? Or people that they want to be stars like a Jalen Green, right? Who on paper should be this guy that is a, a great scorer that can uh, figure, but the nuances of his game has people scratching their heads because it seems like he's only in it for, you know, the the score, scorification of the game and not happy about the other things. I'm curious to see, and it's not like we haven't had this type of stuff before. Like even I'm sure in it generate in your generation, Raja, there were guys that were caring about the wrong shit. It just seems like the volume of guys have has gotten bigger and the pool has gotten well, bigger. And I think we do need to rectify that specifically with the fact that we have all of these resources now than we've ever had for younger guys. Yeah, I, I, look, I would agree. And now some of it, look, to be fair. Because we play, I could, I could exist as a guy who didn't have a, a, a quote unquote bag of offensive 
create my own shot type of skill because there was way more action being run when I played in the NBA because of the personnel that was on the floor and the style of play. Way, way, I'm not going to say way too often, but very often now, there's nothing being run other than a pick and roll. And then the ball starts getting sprayed around. And if you get it, um, you're expected to kind of create. And so because of that, you have to develop all these guys in that in that mold where they have to be able to create for themselves way more often than I would have had to create for myself, let's say, because you're not running nearly as much action to produce a shot, right? Like the floor is way more spread out. And so it's kind of, you know, what came first, the chicken or the egg type of conversation. And now you do live in, and in, 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 in if that's what you're preaching and that's what you're working on and that's what all your development is about, what do you think people are going to put stock in the most? Like if a kid is raised by a trainer from the time he's six years old to dribble the shit out of a basketball and shoot it from half court, what the fuck do you think he's going to put stock in when he's 15 years old? But my question is though, Raja, is like, yeah, they see the highlights and stuff, but do they watch the NBA finals? Because those guys that you describe as the guys that are all like that are the ones that hold on to the ball, that shoot it with fucking three seconds on the shot clock or pass it out with three seconds on the shot clock. The ball-dominant guys that you describe are not in the finals. Like, as great as Luka Doncic is, he is not in the finals. Yeah, but James I, I, Harden is yeah. in the finals. Now, some kids can sift through that. Some kids can't. Some kids aren't watching the games as much as they're just watching the clips on their phone. You know, some, some kids don't have great coaches in their life that explain that to them. Some kids just have mom and dad who've never done anything athletically other than kind of wish that they had in their ear about what they think is important because they are getting the message from the media that the scoring is important. So everything and every resource we have for little Johnny and every everything goes into him and that trainer and our message to that trainer is make him a killer, make him a killer, make him a killer. And that trainer takes that. And if he's, you know, he could be great at his job. But if he's not if he's not talking to Johnny about what killers really do, like Johnny could think a killer is just somebody who gets the ball and scores the shit out of it. But to your point, like it's way more nuanced than that. Like killers like don't the Carl just, Towns thing, right? Like when Carl Towns scored, there's a reason why they lost. Like yeah. not all about scoring. Right. Um right. so anyway, I mean that's a I mean, look, that's a hot topic a little bit for me. I don't hate on it at all. There are reasons for it, but I, I do look again. It's personal for me, real ones. Again, you come to these pods, you're going to get this. Like I, Because I have young sons that are in these gyms and they're trying to sort their way through it, I, I, I see all of these kids from across the country when I'm in gyms. And I'm, I'm <laughs> like, this is happening. I'm watching it yeah. happen. I'm talking to the coaches. I see it. I talk to the parents on other teams. They're corroborating the, what I see. Hey, that kid does that all the time. They're like, yeah, man, fucking A, man. Can you believe that? I'm like, yep, check. Got it. It's not just me. I didn't just catch him on a bad day. That's what he does. Like, so I, this is yep. happening. Yep. All right. It is motherfucking Monday. There's no Beck today. Um, I probably should have said that at the beginning, but whatever. We're here. Um, he, But we do have motherfucking mailbags. Hmm. Um, Kerm, please come out of the cut. <laughs> Um, you say you have questions for us. First of all, how you doing, man? You all right? Been running fitness? You been, you good? You been you been running uh running plays? I'm trying, man. I, I've been hooping a little bit, you know. 
What's your nickname on the on the LA Fitness on the LA Fitness courts? First of all, I hope the Glendale YMCA. <laughs> <laughs> pull up, hey, pull up if you're in Glendale, bro. Pull up on Glendale, pull up, man. Uh, Seven PM Mondays, Tuesdays, pull up. <laughs> yes, sir. Ooh, oh shit, pull up your own spot. It's about to be popping there now. Uh, <laughs> No nicknames, but when I hit a no look, I definitely call myself Magic, and like they've mm. started to embrace it a little bit because some of the passes they're not bad. They're not bad. That's all I'm saying. Like Couldn't that. make the league, but the passes aren't bad. Let's uh, let's do this. let's do this mailbag. Let's do it. First questions from uh, Connor Bingham. Uh, what's popping, real ones? I'd love Raj's opinion on the on this question, which is, do you think that the NBA has lost a valuable role player with so many players coming into the league expecting star treatment production? It's like they knew what we were talking about already. This mm, is crazy. Mm. Are we losing those players that specifically play a role that help teams win championships? Connor Bingham, the answer to that is yes, to a degree. I don't think they're all the way gone. It's not an extinct thing, but it, it is on the endangered species list. I mean, they're, it, and the reason why is because Number one, it's not a celebrated thing. Like there, you know, there's no real glory in that. Far too often, they're not paid in a way that would celebrate it. Good teams will, though. Teams that are really close to a championship. But I would just tell my story. I was always, I was always a, a, a role guy, and everybody always told me, man, if you defend, you know, and you, you'll just shoot the ball, you know, we'll, it'll work out. And I always got the minimum or barely the minimum until I went to Utah and they were like, Hey, we'll give you a chance to score like 12 to 15 a game. And only after that, did someone want to pay me more than the minimum. So while I can sit on here and tell you how valuable role guys are, and they are, I mean, the the NBA, sometimes if you, there's a threshold of what you have to do offensively for a team that has to be met um, before they're going to pay you like that. And so trying to get that right on the head, it's not the answer. So if you shoot higher than that and you're like, yo, man, I'm just going to be, I'm going to shoot for scoring. And that's a lot of dudes' mentalities. This is the world we wind up in. And so, yeah, I do think, but, but the good teams have them. And what happens, I think, sorry, sorry, Logan, because I know you want to get in, is I think with maturity, like we all come into the league thinking that we're going to score it and we're going to take the league by storm and stuff like that. But as you mature and as you played and you've got a little uh, perspective on your career and what's important to you and stuff like that, I think you wind up with guys that kind of turn into that. But I do think there are less in today's NBA than there were when, when, when I played. I think one of the things I want to like add to what you said is a lot of guys like a Bruce Brown is a good example of this, right? A lot of guys just kind of find their way to being valuable role players. It's not something that most guys actually come into the league doing. Like, if you're a lottery pick, you want to be a star. Like, everybody everybody who was drafted in the league, by and large, thinks, at least on some degree, that they're going to be a franchise piece, right? Like, the first couple of years, they're treated as such. And then you kind of matriculate, matriculate your way through the league, and then maybe things just don't go your way and you kind of get pushed into the role of uh, valuable role player. Or in Raj's case, like that's probably the only role you have. If well, you that was, stick. Yes, uh, because I'm un- right. undrafted. Yeah. But uh, exactly. another good name for that, like Aaron Gordon is in the same vein of uh, like a, you know, that type of player, right? Like exactly. career franchise guy winds up being a great role player on championship level teams. Yeah, the point is it takes time. It's not something that you're drafted into being necessarily, right? Like most times, if you're in the first round or the first 15, 
you're expected to be a franchise star, and it kind of just like kind of. I'd say lo- I'd say lottery. Lottery. I'd say lottery because sure. yeah. you're you're later in that first round. In a lot of cases, that you are going to come in and they're looking to, for you to play a role. Uh, next one's from Herschel Dian. What's popping, real ones? My name is Herschel from Tallahassee, Florida. Uh, longtime listener of the show. Longtime Spurs fan, too. So I really enjoyed the Tim Duncan episode way back. My question is, why is Kobe often left out of the GOAT debates? As sad as it sounds, now that he's passed, the media, not everyone, somewhat disrespect his name and legacy by not including him or trashing him just to elevate other players. Because for real, I think he's way better than LeBron. No disrespect. Peace out. <laughs> Sit from my iPhone in case y'all want. <laughs> Herschel from Tally. I'll be in Tallahassee with them Seminoles. Go ahead, bro. You got it. I don't think that Kobe is is left out of the GOAT debate by any means. I think that he is thrusted into the GOAT debate a lot. I mean, by you by you especially, sir. Um, I think that I don't think that he is the GOAT necessarily. The, the numbers bear that out. I don't think that if you put him head to head with other guys, and just say it, you're, you're, this is coming from one of the biggest Kobe fans of all time who was spewing that propaganda for a long time, was in these trenches. But I think he's not like seriously considered in the GOAT conversation because I don't think he has the credentials to be the greatest of all time. Now, he does have the credentials to be a top 10 player of all time. And that's, I think, what we have generally put him as uh, as the years have gone by. And I think that that's, I mean, one other thing, I think that it is around the time he was retired, I think he was a little undervalued by a lot of people. And I think that as he, as the years have gone by since he is retired, I think that he, his resume has stuck with the, has stuck in the top 10 of players all time. And I think it will continue to do that because his resume, it's hard to duplicate. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean he's better than a LeBron James or a Michael Jordan, but I think that he is in that conversation as a top 10 greatest player of all time, which is nothing to sneeze at whatsoever. Yeah. I don't, I don't think, I don't think there's anything else to add to that. I mean, I don't, I, I don't know who's, who's uh like trying to tarnish his legacy as a player or anything like that. I shit. I, I don't think he's a, he's the goat. I mean, I think there, I argue that there are two people that are the goat personally. Like there are two people that you can give me names for. I I did not, witness uh wilt kareem to any real large extent or or bill russell right so like for for me that's where i that's where i fall right i was an mj guy and then lebron and i i have kobe in a tier of player just below that which is again (laughs) that is not too shabby now um could like just could there have some could there be some like kobe was this isn't my necessarily my necessarily my take on this but because he reminded you so much of MJ is there any of that 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 Logan is there any of that because he was he reminded you so much of MJ but MJ is MJ that that maybe he doesn't get as big a nod maybe maybe I don't know I'm just still kind of just like dumbfounded by the fact that a Spurs fan would try to get yeah, more crazy. credit for Kobe Bryant. I was Kobe, like, whoa. That's, that's crazy. Respect. I just yeah. didn't know that that existed. I didn't know that existed in the world. I no, didn't know. No. <laughs> 
Kerm said he has one last question that's one crazy, more. and I'm Let's really go. curious. I'm curious okay. to see what the hell. Give me a second. I didn't even put this in the notes because I was like, this is stupid. But <laughs> since you asked, we're, we're here. We got email. five more minutes left. Yep, yep. So, All right. This one is from Israel Hater. Uh, long time, first time. I see people saying LeBron won't go elsewhere to play with his son because he loves L.A. There's another team in L.A. that could draft Bronny and threaten for a championship. Why is there zero Bronny to the Clippers hype? Dumbass question. Are you my saying dad, that because you're a Lakers fan? My Kurt? battery just died. Yes. LeBron's not going to the fucking Clippers. It's not happening. My battery died. All right, you just answered your own question. Roger's battery just died. We're done. We don't have to, we don't have to make that, have that response. Um, that has been another edition of Real Ones. Uh, motherfucking mailbags. Howard Beck will be back next Monday. Um, we'll see you guys on Thursday. Ah, all the shits. Bye. Must be 21 years and older and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with the Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com backslash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, Vermont, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org backslash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit KS Gambling Help in Kansas, 1-877-770. Stop in Louisiana, visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland, Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit GamblingHelplineMA.org or call 1-800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.